It's another week here in a beautiful Pittston, Pennsylvania. And uh, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. It's the holiday season. And it's the holiday season. It is indeed. And it's a good time to be alive. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's, good time to be alive. <laughs> it's cold outside, but it's nice. It's pretty, yeah, it's, it's, it's life's good right now. <laughs> this is like a shitting show, but we're here anyway, baby. Uh, we are back, and in today's show, We'll start off with some news, then we got uh, our TLC predictions, because that is coming up this Sunday. And then our main event, we are finally finishing up the saga, the three-week saga, that is Mick Foley's professional wrestling career. Yeah, it was, it was quite the long one. You, you, you put him up with those legends, but you don't realize exactly how much he did until you had to get down into it, get down and dirty in the notes, you know? Yeah, so uh, let's hop right into the news. So in the news this week, we don't have uh, as much news as we've had the past couple weeks, which a I blessing guess is and a, a curse. Yeah, I guess it's a good thing because we'll finally be able to get through uh, Mrs. Foley's baby boy. But uh, one scary bit of news that happened over the weekend: uh, Big Cass was at a House of Hardcore show, and uh, he was selling his gimmicks during intermission. Where uh, when he went down and had a seizure, which is a very very scary thing. Uh, EMTs tended to him on scene. They took him to a local hospital, or should I, WWE speak, local medical facility. Medical center, yeah. And uh, the only reason I'm making light of it is because Cass does seem to be okay now. Uh, he was responsive. He seems to have talked to Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, so. And it's, it's, the only thing you can do is make light of it. It's a scary situation. The video was really hard to watch. Yeah. Especially when you get you see somebody that big going through something like that. He looks like he lost some weight, though, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he looked like he got back in the shape a little bit. Because everyone was making the big casserole jokes when he first started on the indie scene, and it seems like he's uh, shed a couple <laughs> of those LBs. Yeah, Enzo gave a little shout-out to him. Enzo did, yeah. With a good a, tweet, I gotta say. up to my heater, I like up it. to my heater, I like it. Uh, but anywho, yeah, hope Cass is able to get healthy again and get back into the ring. Uh, Do you ever see him wrestling for Vince again? I, I could see it. I don't... I don't know. I could, I could definitely see it, but yeah, I just it's it was a weird situation that got him fired in the first place. Yeah, let him go, get a little better, and then have him mature come back. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, look, look at Drew. Time away, time away for Drew McIntyre was like the best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah, he came back shredded and a complete badass. Now he's the Scottish Terminator. Now he's a Scottish psychopath. They fucking Corey Graves calls him the Scottish Terminator for some reason. I don't know. Well, Corey Graves is God, so we have to listen to him. Like, Cesaro used to be the Swiss Superman, but I, got, I bet DC sent that cease and desist, and now he's a Swiss <laughs> cyborg. Yeah, I bet so. I, I, you know what? I never thought about it that way, but I bet that's what it is. Isn't Cyborg also a, isn't cyborg a Teen Titans character? They're about to get another cease and desist. Oh, well, yeah, but... I guess, I cyborg, think, I I guess cyborg Cyborg's is, a little more vague than Cyborg's Superman. more of, like, this, this uh, descriptive. But, yeah, plus, like, Superman isn't very, like... They know what you're talking like, Cyborg. Superman's dude. blue suit, red cape, you know? Yeah. Giant S on his tattooed on his shoulder. Oh wait, that's that's Bron. That is Bron. That is Bronny the Strowman. Um, so in other news, uh, Cody reveals that he recently turned down a WWE contract. You buying this? Is more hearsay? What do you think? Cody's the king of trolls online. <laughs> so it's possible. It's very possible. But 
you don't know because he could there could have never been an offer and he could have said it. You know what I'm saying? Not that I'm saying he's bad about it, but like he's just the king of internet trolls. Yeah, no, I I I think he's telling the truth, but it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he was if this is all just yeah, a ploy. That's exactly my uh, view on it. Um, it was also announced that Cody will be defending the New Japan Pro Wrestling United States Heavyweight Championship at the Tokyo Dome on January 4th, 2019, Wrestle Kingdom, I believe 13, uh, against the former champion, Juice Robinson. Excited about this match? Could care less? Where are you, you kind of sitting on this I one? mean, I'm excited, but I can also care less. Like, I'll be, I'll enjoy it when I'm watching it, but it's, like, not the focus of my... Oh, uh, no, it's not. It's far from the focus. There's going to be two matches in that show that are going to be... I'm going to be very excited for. So... Moving on, the World Tag League final was Saturday night slash Sunday morning, depending on where you live. Uh, so, let me give you the results for that show. I actually did watch it. So, in the opener, Tenzan, Kojima, Yuji Nagata, and Nakanishi defeated uh, Makabe, Tohinare, Ayato Yoshida, and Shota Umina. Of course, the Young Lions, of course, the team of the Young Lions is going to take the L. That's just how it goes. Uh, nice to see the New Japan OGs pick up a W. The combined age of that team is probably about 314. <laughs> Good lord. They have some old people on that team. Next, Minoru Suzuki, Azuka, Lance Archer, and Davey Boy Smith Jr. defeated Michael Elgin, Jeff Cobb, Beretta, and Chucky e. T. By disqualification after Chucky e. T. beat everybody with a chair. Seems, well, there's the whole, I don't know, closely even paying attention to New Japan lately. Probably, I'd assume not a whole lot. I've been following it. Not well, hardcore. You know about like, the whole mole storyline? I actually know. I do not. So, as you know, Jay White took over the Bullet Club OG, and uh, now he's saying there's a mole in chaos, and Chucky e. T's acting like a big dick. So, I think it's obviously a swerve, and Chucky e. T won't be the mole. Yeah, I can see that. But it appears Chucky e. T's a heel right now, which, if you would have told me that two months ago, <laughs> that Chucky e. T would be positioned as, like, a, a, a top heel in a New Japan. dastardly heel. Yeah. And uh, Excalibur, from P of PWG fame was on commentary for the last few nights of uh, World Tag League, and he blamed uh, Chuck Taylor's recent actions on the diagnosis of one Markel Fultz. So, uh, you know what? I can understand that. Yeah. As a Sixers fan, yeah. his nerve injuries have gotten on my nerves. Uh, oh, shut up. But I get that. I get that. Chucky e. T, I'm with you. Go Birds. Trust the process. Here they come. Hey, you. Tomohiro Ishii, Sho, and Yo defeat it. Zack Sabre Jr., Kanemaru, and El Desperado. Uh, Ishii got the victory. And then him and Zack Sabre Jr. had to stare down. And they were uh, they were both want that Rev Pro World Heavyweight title that is currently held by Tomohiro Ishii. That's a prestigious title. What are you laughing at? It's just, just the difference in styles of <laughs> those two men. Oh, yeah. It's just it's funny. Ishii and Sho next to each other are is a sight to behold. Sho is jacked. Dude, he's, out of his, he's yoked out of his mind. It's ridiculous. So up next, Tetsuya Naito, Bushi, and Shingo Takagi, collectively known as Los Ingobernables de Japón. Los Ingobernables de Japón. Close. Closer. Defeated Hangman Page. It's Japón. It's Spanish. You know what yeah. I mean? yeah. Espanol. Japón. Huevos Rancheros. Never had that dish. See, it's good. It's, I like chili, so I've had it. Uh, anyway, they defeated Hangman Page, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens. Uh, it's weird because, like, the Bullet Club 
elite are just the elite now, but no one really knows if Takahashi and Owens are in it because their their gear still says Bullet Club. Maybe they and they're just, they're kind of just around. I've I've been seeing I have been seeing that. Maybe they just didn't want to spend the money and get new gear. I don't know. Who knows? But oh, by the way, speaking of New Japan, yeah, Ibushi versus Osprey at the Dome. I was getting there. Oh, were you getting there? Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it when you, when you get there. Okay. Uh, up next, Jay Waito, Bad Luck Fale, Taji and Taji Ishimori defeated Okada, Yano, and Kushida. Uh, just a way to build to the two big matches at the Dome. Obviously, Kushida is defending the junior title against Ishimori, and Jay White and Okada is like the big grudge match. I see your point, Nami, so you got no. some... Oh. I said when we're done, we're going to talk about Kushida. Oh. Oh, yeah. We, we didn't talk about that last week? I guess we didn't, because it didn't happen last week. <laughs> uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Marty Skrull, the Elite, defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, David Finley, and Taguchi. Kenny Omega wrestled in, in a shirt, and I don't know why, like, he... I feel like, I don't know why that, that like, I don't know, it's just weird. It mm. seems like he wasn't taking this very seriously. I mean, but I know there's an eight-man in the, the World it's, Tag it's, League It's show. an eight-man uh, match in the World Tag League. He's, but he's it's exactly like the right. final build to his Wrestle Kingdom main event, you know what I mean? His last Wrestle Kingdom main event. I don't know about that one, but... Well, no, I just, I don't think he's staying there. I'm not he's, saying he's going to WWE, I just don't think he's staying I there. I think he's staying. He loves, he loves New Japan. He loves Japan. He doesn't love New Japan. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but I think if they start their own, I mean, who else are you going to build it around? But maybe they'll cut a deal with New Japan. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure, I'm sure the Young Bucks and Cody like wrestling in New Japan. They did, and he, Cody's done with ROH, isn't he? Yeah, his contract expired October 31st. He's been working on like a handshake deal since then. And uh, he has a world title match, a final battle against uh, Jay Lethal. Is he the champ? And he was a champ the last time I checked. Yeah, I think... I don't think he changed since then. believe Jay Lethal is still a champ, and so... By the way, we gotta go to our ROH show. Yeah, well, we do. I mean, we will be, technically. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's one in there's one in January in, in New York. It's one in Hammerstein. What day? Uh, I don't know. I, we'll talk about this later. It's a weekend. I'd have to get it off, but I, okay. could, pro- I could probably do that. We'll talk about this later. Yeah. Um, will Ospreay defeat at Taichi in a number one contenders match for the never open weight title? Uh... Dave Meltzer had a funny tweet, and uh, this wasn't this wasn't it word for word because I forget what he compared what he exactly compared it to, but this is Will Osprey's like first match coming back from injury, like he like broke his ribs like a month ago or whatever, mm-hmm. and he said Will Osprey come back and wrestling Tai Chi is like the is like a comparison to Shawn Michaels having his return match against like a block of wood or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking hysterical, uh, but you know it was a it was an alright match. You didn't watch the show, did you? No. Okay. I have I've I've watched Zero of the World Tag League. I'll get around to it eventually. I mean, it's a decent match. I mean, everyone knew Osprey was gonna win because him and Abushi is like the big thing at the dome. Like that's that match is gonna be insane. That's where they're going. And speaking of that, Kota Abushi defeated Hiroki Goto to capture the never open weight championship. That was a really good match. Uh Goto and uh Abushi are both insane. Uh cool to see Abushi win gold. Yeah, and it is. So I know we're getting ahead of ourselves because we'll have a we'll have a a Wrestle Kingdom prediction show, I'm sure, eventually. But uh, you think this is gonna be like a passing of the torch moment from Bushi to Osprey? Yes. I like how you shook your head for like five seconds before saying anything because we're not on video, pal. You know what, pal? No, but I think it is. I think it is. Abushi's well. not as young as you think he is. Not mean not no, you, but like, gonna, gonna them say, like, uh, people that don't know. I think he's around forty. He's pushing it, I believe. Uh, but 
Yeah, I think it is. I mean, his career is going to be winding down in the future, and I think he's going to at least have a little bit of a run in the uh, with the in the main event scene. Yeah. Before it goes out. I mean, he. I thought he was going to win the G one, but. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it'd be a good time to do it. There's no way. There's no way Abushi retires before getting that match with Kenny at the Dome. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. No, I, I I can agree with that. Then in the main event of the evening. Evil and Sonata defeated the Gorillas of Destiny in the finals of the World Tag League. He's 37. Really fun match. Uh, a lot of false finishes. Great, great interference from Giotto, because Giotto is the Gorillas of Destiny's heater now. With the, he comes out like with a bandana and like full arm sleeves and a kendo <laughs> stick. And, he just, and an air horn. And he just beats people with a kendo stick. It's quite entertaining. But real fun match. Uh, Evil and Sonata got the win, which means they win World Tag League are the number one contenders for Gorillas of Destiny at the uh, Tokyo Dome on January 4th. But then the Young Bucks came out, and they said, we weren't in World Tag League, but we're the best tag team in the world, so we want to face the Gorillas of Destiny at the Tokyo Dome. We never got our rematch when we lost our tag titles. So it looks like it will be a triple threat tag team match. Gorillas of Destiny versus Young Bucks versus Evil and Sonata for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Stealing it right from WWE, huh? I get I, I mean... I think this match is a little bigger than Sheamus and Cesaro versus the New Day versus the almost of the Young Bucks again versus uh, the Usos at yeah. a random December pay per view. Why aren't they making that match a ladder match? Why aren't they, or why are they? Why aren't they? Oh, because they're stupid. That match would be great as a ladder match. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's not enough stipulations for TLC, which we'll get into. Like, uh, first of all, I hate pay per views that are built around gimmicks. But if you're gonna build pay per views around gimmicks, like we just watched TLC 2009 last night, there was a ladder match. There was a tables match. There was even a fucking chairs match. And then there was a tables, ladders, and chairs match. At least it wasn't a stairs match. Uh, oh, Jesus. Ver- the Vintner versus the Big Show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wasn't that paper you also called tapers, ladders, chairs, and stairs? Yeah, and like the logo was like a, ta- it was like the regular TLC logo. And it was like the little carrot thing when like you forget a word. It was like the little carrot thing, and it said, and stairs in like big yellow writing. <laughs> So, oh, I don't think the official name was Ann Stairs, but they put it in the logo, so. But, anywho, I know you don't watch the show, but from my review, it kind of, does it sound like a good show? You give It, it sounds like every other not New Japan, non-big show. Yeah. Three like, hours of nothing, and then the last hour is fantastic. The undercard was what it was. Yeah. Uh, the only thing really worth of note in the undercard was the Chucky e. T shenanigans, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Go birds. And then, uh, like, the, the the second half of the show was, the well, the last two matches. Yeah. Like, the last two matches were fantastic. But this is basically how every New Japan show is, though. So they have two more shows uh, before the Tokyo Dome. I believe they're the 13th and 14th of December, maybe? No, maybe the week after, because I think that's this week. I don't know. There's some time. Uh, what, Either, what Either way, there's two of them. What terrible reporting by me. But, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the news for this week. Anything else to, to chalk on there? How about WWE wanting Kushida? Yes, we said we were going to talk about this, and I completely blew it off. Yeah, WWE wants Kushida, which is... I'm a big Kushida fan. I love that he's basically a, a Back to the Future ripoff. Like, doesn't even try to hide it. No, he doesn't. His logo is literally like the Back to the Future logo. Uh, I do. I love how he does a Kumora and calls it the hoverboard lock. <laughs> it's awesome. I, but I don't know. It's a weird fit. Like I just—it's a very weird fit. Like, like I, of all the people, when like, I see Kushida, I don't see like this guy fits the WWE style. You like, don't see just, like a nine-minute match on Raw. 
You know, it's just, just it's weird. I think he'd do great in NXT. Oh, I think he'd be great in NXT, but like, unless he's just strictly gonna go for NXT. Well, I think he'd probably go to 205 Live after. That would be my presumption. 205 Live. This is our weekly 205 Live endorsement. Oh yeah, great show. Great show. It was great last week. It was a great show last week, and uh, yeah, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for the news this week. Yeah, not all that much happened. Thank God, because we have we have a lot to get into. So, tables, ladders, and chairs will be emanating from the SAP Center in San Jose, California, home of one Dave Meltzer, this Sunday, December 16th, 2018. Is he going to be there? I'd assume so. Yeah? He's usually, he's usually at every show in there in San Jose. Um, it is sponsored by K Jewelers and the WWE Elite Collection. That's so weird. That is a weird combo. I don't think I don't think people that are, never mind never mind never mind I was gonna make a joke that offended both of us but <laughs> I was gonna say I, don't, I, don't. <laughs> I know I know exactly where you're going <laughs> I, gonna... I know exactly where you're going with that <laughs> yeah people uh, people that speak for yourself the, pal use the elite don't really need to go to cage speak for yourself pal moment. yeah all right so we have the mixed match challenge final. Each member of the winning team will be the last entrant in their respective Royal Rumble matches at the 2019 Royal Rumble. And, oh, uh, God. And as we were recording this, the finals, of the, the semifinals of the Mixed Match Challenge did not happen yet. So do you want to tell us who's left? Yes. Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox oh my God. are facing Finn Balor and Bailey. R-Truth and Carmella are facing The Miz and Asuka. Okay, so there's an issue with this. So we know that Finn Balor will be taking on Drew McIntyre at TLC. And Asuka is involved in a SmackDown Women's Championship match at TLC. So that pretty much means that we're probably going to get Mahalisha against the Fabulous Truth. And that also means that either Jinder Mahal or R-Truth will be number 30 in the Royal Rumble. Oh, could we face Alicia Fox possibly being number 30 in the women's? No, both. they both get it. Yeah. The men's and the women's both get number 30. So Alicia yeah. and Jinder would be number 30 in the Royal Yeah, that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. And, uh, but Jesus... Let's just find a new way to do that. But unless they do this in the pre-show, you really, I don't know. I just don't see like maybe Balor would do double duty, but Oscar has a damn TLC match. I don't see her like. But like it's a mixed match challenge, rag. It's not I taking guess. that much out of her. I guess. But I mean, it would make sense for for Miz and Oscar to win. Yeah, that it that's would, it would make sense. But I also I spoiler my prediction later. I think Oscar's getting the belt, so I don't know. Yeah, no, I think she is too. So, like, I don't know why she win and be number 30 in the Royal Rumble when she won't be in the Royal Rumble. I don't know. I, uh, I'm going gonna, Truth and Carmella. They're going to swerve us with the Mixed Match Challenge. I'm also going Truth and Carmella. I'm going Truth and Carmella. I've been, Truth and Carmella has been my team since this, this thing started. I picked them to win from the beginning, and I really want some skits of them on vacation together. I just can't see Jinder Mahal being number 30 in the Royal Rumble. Huh? You, you couldn't see Jinder Mahal being the WWE champion either, but... No, but, like, there were rumors of that, so I was at least prepared for it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So up next, we have Seth Rollins taking on Dean Ambrose for a sing- in a singles match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Who you got and why? Ambrose. I also have Ambrose. And why? Because it's just better for their storyline. Don't know why this match has zero stipulation. Yeah. Unless it's coming tonight. Yeah, that's, that's true. Cause we, we are recording this before Raw on Monday, December 10th. And that's, all, that's very possible. But either way, stipulation or no stipulation, I'm going Ambrose. Same. Because Rollins is going to win the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. So you have to get this intercontinental strap off of him, and you know maybe, maybe Bane could have some fun with the IC title. I'm expecting. <laughs> he was more of the scarecrow. 
Uh, he was. Did you not see the jacket and the mask? He was. He's, he was Bane. Okay. He was Bane. But uh, no, I think Ambrose can use a big, real big win. And it, he's. I've been liking the stuff he's been doing. It's been taking a lot of shit. You did not. You didn't. I mean, the shots in the guys, ass thing say, was weird. Don't defend but, the injections. No, the injections were very <laughs> strange. But don't uh, defend the injections, please. No, God. but I. I like his part of it though. Like, I don't think it was his idea, like, hey, throw me in a doctor's office. Like, I just don't think... I He's holding well. I think a belt can do well for him. He wins either way. I agree. I'm also going Ambrose. They're going to pull off a good match, I think. So up next, you have a tables, ladders, and chairs match. And get ready for these bumbles of stipulations. If Strowman wins, Corbin will be stripped of all authoritative power, and Strowman will receive a universal championship match at the Royal Rumble. If Corbin wins, he'll become the full-time general manager of Raw. Who you got and why? So this this is a handicap match. What do you mean? Corbin's bringing the darkness. <laughs> but, and he is the thunder, so is it three-on-one or is it two-on-one? <laughs> like, he, um... First of all, will Braun even be cleared by then? That's the, that's the, that's is the, that still an issue? I don't know. I haven't, heard, I haven't heard that he has been cleared. I haven't heard that he wasn't either. Like, I, didn't, I never heard that he was in the first place. Well, I heard that it might end up being a six-man tag, and the Elias... Bobby Lashley match and the Balor McIntyre matches would all get combined into one six man tag, and Balor and uh, Balor and Elias would probably get thrown the the redebuting with his new gimmick, which we didn't talk about in news either. Bray Wyatt. Yeah, that could be it. That could be it. What is his new gimmick? I didn't see it. I think it's like an evil clown or something. Oh Jesus! I'm not sure. We need the Vintner then. He literally just deleted his whole Twitter account and like tweeted, "I'm a new man" or some. Except he said it in Bray Wyatt language, oh. so it was all convoluted. So is he showing up tonight? I don't know. I miss Bray. So maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But if it's one on one, Jesus Christ, it's gonna be Strowman. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on them calling Corbin the general manager elect? I think it's hilarious. I think Baron Corbin is hysterical. Yeah, I think he's I mean, awesome. You're like you're like the, the the biggest Baron Corbin supporter right now. Oh, I think he's so funny. He's such a dick. He is a dick, and he's so funny. I love when uh, Kurt Hawkins is trying to break his losing streak, and then he just came out and fucking beat up the jobber for no reason, so Hawkins would lose. <laughs> and they put Hawkins through a table of tacos. <laughs> and then he became the constable the same night. Like, what a, what a night for Corbin. <laughs> My favorite Corbin moment was still at SummerSlam when he came out to face Balor, and, like, his nameplate said, Baron Corbin, and then in parentheses, the constable. Yes. It made me so happy. It was, it, it's, it's awesome. But, no, I, either way, that's the, the baby faces are winning that. If it's not. So up next, we have Rowdy Ronda Rousey defending the Raw Women's Championship against Nia Jax. Who you got and why? Ronda. Yeah. Because she's Ronda. Yeah. I think Ronda stays undefeated at least through WrestleMania. Maybe even longer, but at least through WrestleMania. At least, I was going to say at least two WrestleMania. Yeah. Yeah. At least until the night before WrestleMania. I'm saying she'll, she'll hold that belt till. She's gonna drop it at the ROH show. The ne- no, she's gonna hold it through that night. Okay. Oh, through that night. Okay. You said through WrestleMania, well, which I'm not. That's which, not what I meant to say. That's what you did say. Well, fuck you. But uh, fuck you, Bruce. But uh, yeah, Ronda. No other, no other way around. It's a wrong decision if they go the other way. So, is it sad? I'm also picking Ronda, but is it sad that like the way they've been pushing Nia Jax? I can see it. Yeah, it's sad, but I I understand where you're coming I can, from. I don't think it's gonna happen. But no, like, I, I I understand I, where you're coming I from. Can, like they've been, they've been pushing Nia hard for. Yeah, no, I could I could totally really understand where you're coming from. Up next, we have my favorite thing in wrestling: the new Daniel Bryan, 
taking on AJ Styles. Oh, smug liberal Daniel Bryan is my favorite. In a singles match for the WWE Championship. Dude, when he went on his rant, he said, You eat factory farmed meat <laughs> that emits methane gas into the oxygen that has permanent effects on our climate. He's awesome. He's I the died. best. He's the best. It was great. Uh, fickle. I love that. See, I'm a big fickle. I like everything he does except the fickle. Like, I like it, but, like, it it annoys me, which I guess is the point. It's supposed to annoy me. But I also like how he finally addressed the, the side plates on his title saying yes, yes, yes by taking them off and just flinging them. Yeah, no, he's DB. Also DB. But <coughs> did you see King Ross's tweet? No. The Ross Twiddle, formerly known as King Ross. He, uh, this was a couple days ago. He tweeted, does Daniel Bryan not realize that the strap of his belt is made from leather? He, if he's supposed to be a vegan, he can't have leather. So I'm kind of hoping, like, Daniel Bryan comes out with, like, his his new strap is, like, a plant or something. It's just, like, the metal plate's, like, glued onto a plant Oh, or I hope he does. I don't think they'll do it because no, that's, like, won't. such a small it's, issue. It's also the WWE Championship, so, like... But they have, like, five of them. It's not like there's only one WWE no, Championship. No, I mean, but, like, belt. they don't want the fucking seaweed out on... But he's a he he's a heel like it would make sense like yeah but advertisers don't understand that I don't think advertisers not advertisers like you know, like it's the, the, it's, got the, it's the title wrestling is still four titles and for casual fans that's what it's going to be about but he's a heel he's supposed to make he's supposed to disrespect the title I mean I will love it if it happens it just won't happen I don't I don't think it'll happen either but like I don't think like do you do you not remember like Mr Perfect in 1990 fucking smashing the WWF title with a hammer well considering it was five years before I was born no I don't remember it. Well, I thought you were an astute wrestling historian. I am. I know what you're talking about. You just had to remember. You don't have to be alive to remember. Like, I remember that the, the, the Celtics won the NBA title in 86, but I wasn't alive. But I remember that, like, that happened. You remember finding, yeah, you remember finding out that it happened. No, you I remember. You don't remember, I remember, it, you don't remember it, happened. it happening. Like, if you said, who won the 86 title? I'd be like, huh, the Celtics. Yeah. yeah I remember. Because you remember, remember. finding it out. No, you remember, no, you I don't, remember. You don't remember the. I remember. That was the greatest basketball team ever assembled, by the way. That's the big. I think I think this Warriors team is, yeah. But uh, the hell were we uh, talking about? Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. It's it's gonna be DB. I don't know who he's moving into after Styles. Maybe Joe. I think it'll, it'll probably be the Miz. I mean, that's, oh the Miz. You know what? Yeah. Unless they save that for Mania, which they might. Who else's baby faces on SmackDown that can do it? Ray. Ray. Oh, please give me Daniel Bryan and Ray. Yeah, that'd be good. Oh, did you see on a house show? Did you see the match they had at the house show in Chile? No. It was Rey Mysterio and Grand Metalik versus Buddy Murphy and Andrade Almas. That match sounds awesome. Yeah, it does. It's going. I'll probably never see it. Yeah, never see it at all. But uh, no, maybe, maybe Ray. Yeah, actually, to be honest with you, for Jeff Hardy. Yeah, Jeff Hardy is always a candidate. They'd have a good. They'd have a good little feud, probably. Yeah. So up next, a triple threat tables, ladders, and chairs match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Becky Lynch defends against Charlotte Flair and Asuka. Asuka. See, I'm... For the same reason I think you're picking Asuka. I'm also taking Asuka because I think Becky wins the Rumble. Yep. And they get the Ronda match. But right now, Charlotte Flair is the betting odds favorite. So, I don't know. I hope they don't put the title back on uh, Charlotte. I hope they don't either. It has to be Becky or Asuka. I'm going Asuka because I think Becky's going to... I think I guess I think they really want that Ronda and Becky match. I just I think like this is an easy way to rehab Oscar. Like you've you've beat her into the ground for months and months. Now like sh- she could win the title. The way you win this title is the, the belt's hanging in the air, so Becky won't get pinned. It won't hurt her. Yeah. I just think it's an easy way to rehab Oscar, and they'd be missing a chance by not doing it. But I think that's the plan. And it, watch that match go and steal the show. 
I mean, it definitely has potential too. Those three, those three could have a hell of a little little shindig. Uh, but yeah, I'm going the Empress of Tomorrow. Uh, I think Asuka finally wins the SmackDown Women's Championship and has a nice little run with it. Yeah, I think she does too. Maybe all the way to Mania. Perhaps. Up next, Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre. This is a no-brainer. It's going to be Drew. What's that haul for? I know, because, uh, yeah, it's, it's got to be Drew, They're right? They're pushing him. He's going to be the, he's like the next top guy. He's like going to be the top heel. Yeah, I know. It's, just, it's, it's hard for me to pick against Finn. But uh, Finn, Finn, Finn knows what it's, it's, it is what it is at this point. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, Drew via Claymore quickly. I, don't, I think they'll have a hell of a little match. But I mean, they could those two guys. I'm just not sure if they will. No, I think they will. So up next, we have Elias taking on Bobby Headband. Who you got and why? Elias for multiple reasons. Wow, that's one. I think they're more interested in Elias as a babyface than they are Bobby. Uh, Bobby Headband as a as a heel. I don't know about that one. And it, if they want to keep, you watch this, the same show. I watch. Yeah. They love heat. They if, love heat. They if, live for heat. If they want to keep this going, and not Sunday night heat. If they want to keep this going, but I don't think they do. The rumble. They the have rumbles, to split. The rumble's have, coming up. They have to split Elias and Finn winning and losing. You know what I'm saying? They love heat. They love heat. They too do. Much I'm going more. Elias that I'm match. Going Bobby Headband. This match. I'm assuming we're gonna be for close on this. This match might decide the uh, who wins. Yeah. And we, and we have stakes for me and not you, which isn't really fair. So you have to put something on the line if you lose. What are the stakes for you? I have to play that damn interview on air. Oh, yes. Uh, we'll come up with something. Because I'm an honorable man, and I remember our bets. I forgot about that. I hope you remember our Rams-Eagles bet, because I pretty much have that one in the bag. I don't remember that either. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you after the show. But we, we made it, and I remembered, but I wasn't going to bring it up. But now I'm bringing it up, because I'm an honorable man. If I'm putting myself in jeopardy, I'm, I'm, I'm cashing in on this Should bet. I be scared? No, it's not, you don't have to do anything. You have to you have to buy me something. Oh, I think I know. Yeah, it's not. It's obvious. But yeah. I think I have that one pretty much in hand. Okay, okay. Uh, up next, we have... They don't just set the bar. They are the bar, and I believe you saw the bar at the bar. I look at that guy, I went, whoa. <laughs> just check our Twitter. Yeah. For the biggest Seamus lookalike in the history of Seamus lookalikes. Well, I'm well, I'm out here trying to work and earn an honorable living. He's out going and getting drunk like a hooligan on a Saturday. I got I got to I got to put food on my table. I got to take food off my table. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. So the bar defend against uh, the New Day, Big E, Kofi Kingston, and or Xavier Woods, and the Usos, Jimmy and Jay. Triple threat tag team match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Who you got and why? I don't know why this is not a ladder match. It might become a ladder match. Yeah, it very well could. I hope it becomes I something. hope it becomes a ladder match because I think you give those three teams a ladder match and you and you could uh, get like WrestleMania X7 quality match. I feel like you did that on purpose just to, just to set me off. You can get a WrestleMania 17 quality Thank match. You. Thank you. Can you agree? Yeah, no, these guys, these six guys could definitely tear it up. Uh, well, five guys. These five guys could tear it up, and then there's Sheamus. Yeah. And no, no, fuck you. <laughs> I, 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 you, you slipped it, you slipped it by me. Sheamus is incredible. Okay, he's done everything there is to do in this business. He's never been a continental champion. He will be. But uh, who you got and why? This is tough because like this is the toughest match to call on the show. I think. I I know. I I agree with you. Uh, 
because they don't give a shit about the SmackDown tag team titles. So like, I would say like the bar is still relatively fresh in their run with them. I feel like that, but like they don't give a shit about the SmackDown tag team titles. They'll change them on a whim. I'm gonna go with the bar. You can go with the bar. Yeah. <sighs> I'm also going to go with the bar. Oh wow. I, I wanted to pick the Usos, but that's I just, what I was. I was either gonna take the bar or the Usos. I don't think the bar has done what they want to do. With I them I don't think the New Day is winning winning the match, but I think it's a literally a coin flip between the bar and the Usos. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my views on it as well. And I figure maybe maybe the Usos will win it, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, sometime in the in the future. But so they can face the Bucks. I love that. I love that. That's your gimmick. Or the Briscoes. I don't know which is more improbable, honestly. The Briscoes. God damn. Who are these dirty men out here? Chicken farmers from Delaware. But, uh... Finally, we have Natalia taking on Ruby Riot in a tables match. Oh, Ruby. This is tough, because theoretically Natalia should win, because Ruby has done nothing but get heat on her the whole time. But this company loves heat, so they, I don't know. They can't beat Ruby. They can't do it. Why? They've Ru- done it for months. They, they don't have that. Care. But I just think this might be the one. Uh, go and Ruby goes over Natty. That's how. That's how it probably should go. But they got so much heat on. They got so much heat on Natalia that like, I just can't pick against Natalia. Like they broke her dad's sunglasses. They've been like beating the hell out of her for the last month. Like I just, I don't know. I, Here's my here's my prediction. Uh, they're having their little match, probably a fun little match. Then uh, the the riot squad come out, interfere. Then the Boston Hug Connection make the save, and they all put Ruby Riot through the table. That's that's where I stand on. That's this. a solid guess. That's where I stand on this. So I'm still gonna go at Ruby. That's but... fair. So we have we have two we have two that we uh we have two predictions that differ. Yeah. I took Bobby Headband, and you took uh, Elias. And I took Natalia and you took Ruby. So it's going to decide it. And we'll figure out what you have to do if you lose. Because there's no way that I that you should get out this scot-free. That's, that's where I stand. No, no, I agree. We never came up with We never came up with it. But I'm just not sure you're going to lose. So I probably will. I, you, you might take Because I see your point on both choices. But I don't know. I, WWE loves heat. So I think Bobby Headband's going to Bobby's a big guy. Vince loves big guys, man. Yeah, it worked so great the first time. I, I'm not saying I want Bobby to win. I'm just I'm just... Elias is over as fuck. Elias is very over. He's over as fuck. But then the bell has to ring. The bell? No, no, the bell's he's great. But then the bell, he's not great in the ring. Do you see that elbow? He fucking <laughs> glides across the ring. Okay, fucking uh, Alicia Fox is the prettiest Northern Lights suplex I've ever seen, but I'm not calling her the next Greg Gagne. Fair, you know, fair enough. <laughs> like, Elias is a great elbow. I'll, I'll give him that. He has the best elbow. So that will wrap it up for our tables, ladders, and chairs prediction. And then up next, we have part three, and hopefully the final part, of Mrs. Foley's Baby Boy. I'm excited. Yeah, should should be good. And uh, we will get that to you in a minute. I don't even know what to describe what just happened off air. We were talking about uh, something we may have coming up in the works. And then I said, well, well, that's not going to work because we wanted to do something similar somewhere else. And then you said that a 
Apparently, you said we have an origin show. I thought yes. you said we have an orgy show, and Which I is just not happening. <laughs> not happening. You had a good joke. Just say that, so that joke needs to be heard, heard on air because that was not happening good. until Patreon. That was fucking good. I, I'll give you touche. I'll give you. I'll give you the applause on that one. Well that done was, to me. All right, but uh, anyway, it's now time for your main events of the evening. That was an awful single. That was supposed to be a uh, Bruce Buffer. Okay, got it. I know, Ron. I was also an awful Bruce Buffer. No, it wasn't. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Mrs. Foley's baby boy. All right, well, we, last time we left off, he was uh, just got done being brutally murdered by The Undertaker. So the question the question uh, arises, do you want to talk about this Hell in a Cell match now, or do you want to wait until we get to the legacy? Because I feel like that's... So I'll leave it up to you. Really. I feel like I have two things to talk about about it. Okay. About... It now and the legacy. Okay, well then, so we'll talk about it for both times. I okay, believe. let's go. Let's go then. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. We don't have to talk about much because everybody listening to this podcast knows what happened. In that yeah, match. I, I think every friend I've ever made in my life, I've showed them that match. So I think everyone in the world is, has. Seen yeah, it's it. a go-to for non-wrestling fans. And like the clips everywhere. Like yeah, I've seen the clip. The uh, Jr. is everywhere over somebody yeah. taking a fucking L in, in, in anything in, yeah in absolutely any I saw a NASCAR fight with that commentary over <laughs> it was like it's, that commentary is over anything did Joey Logano lose is my question He he's the champion he won the title yeah I know but did he lose the fight because I know how to involve Joey Logano oh no it was two truck series geeks oh oh okay well even better he did get punched in the face by Kyle Busch once, he though. did though he did and that was one of the best days of my life I hate Joey Logano <laughs> He's up there with Jonas Valachunas and Terry Rozier from my least favorite people. That's crazy because like you don't even watch NASCAR. Not anymore. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't either anymore. It's, that's another story for another time. But uh, Mick Foley, Hell in a Cell. What do you got to say? I mean, what what is there to say? It was... You said you had two things to say. No, I. I well, you let me fucking finish. <laughs> I, have, I have something to talk about this and through the legacy. 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 Okay. But uh, it's a new this day. this was it's a spot. A yeah. This was a spot. It was. It was a spot. That is correct. It is one of these staple moments in the timeline of wrestling, I believe, because I know a Hard lot of argue. a lot of people like from WCW, WCW side said, you know, that's it. It's over. Can't top that. And the fans were going nuts, and it led to Foley's superstardom. I, I agree. I can't. I can't. I can't argue with that. Mankind is my favorite Foley. I know he's not yours, but this was incredible. The, the, even the just outside the two falls, this match was special. That visual of them standing on top of the cell, yeah, which was technically hell on a cell for a while, but uh, and then it became hell through a cell. And it became hell through a cell. Hell off a cell. <laughs> yeah, it was hell around a cell. Yeah, it was just kind of being hell wild. in a hospital room. I honestly tell you, just listen to McFoley describe this because it's just, he could say it. The yeah, best. he he did a he did a network special on it. Uh, it was the twenty, and he has an 20 excellent story. Twenty years of hell uh, tour, and they aired the Pittsburgh show, which is where this match happened on the network. I think I think they aired it after Hell in a Cell because I think I watched it here. Yeah, we watched it here. Cause we, was, were gonna, uh, we were going to record, and we ended up recording later because we yeah, were both very interested in it. It was so good. And it I, was. If, He's if an you excellent, it, excellent storyteller. If you haven't watched, I recommend going out of your way and like watching it. Not this second, because we'd appreciate it if you stuck around to the end of the show, but... Uh, I made that mistake last week. Yeah. With the Mind Games match. That's that's kind of... That's worth it, though. That's that's worth... That's that's worth leaving these two jabrones to go watch. Yeah. So, you'd never guess what he, what happened after Hell in a Cell. He started teaming with fucking Kane, because why not? He's everywhere. <laughs> Kane's the greatest, you know? Kane must pose. The rubber. He's the, he gets the rub. 
So they captured the WWF Tag Team Championship on two separate occasions. Mick Foley's like a, a eight-time tag team. Yeah, team. he it's is crazy. It's 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 wild. It really is. So uh, Foley decided that at some point that hey, I'm destroying my body, but I'm a pretty funny guy. I think the crowds would respond to mankind better if I, if it was more of a comedy character. So he's kind of abandoned like the the screeching, the tortured soul aspects of uh, mankind, and like any good character does, it it uh, evolved. That's where I was supposed to. That's where I was supposed to get your take. I was reading my notes. I was reading my notes. Oh yes, and he, uh, he, he, and he did in the middle of He was hilarious as mankind. Yeah, he was for those couple years there. He did a lot of great shit. I'm I'm, I'm not going to overdo it because I'm assuming we'll be going through this one by one. But he did an unbelievable amount of really entertaining shit. So uh, Mick Foley describes the character as a, a goofy, broken down oaf. That's pretty. That's a pretty spot on. Pretty spot on. Yeah, it's pretty head on nail there. So uh, this transition officially began after SummerSlam 1998. After Kane turned on him, what a dick! Yeah, Kane why is Kane an asshole? Because he's the greatest. He doesn't need anybody. Uh, so after that, the two lost the tag team championship, and Foley began this transition. And that's when he began one of my favorite angles: Mick Foley and Mankind. Whoa, Jesus! That was a dyslexic fuck up. Mick Foley and Vince McMahon together. Awesome, awesome stuff. So Mankind wanted to be Vince's friend. That's all he wanted. All Mankind wanted to do is be Vince's friend. And then on the October 5th, 1998 episode of Raw, I've heard people call this the greatest segment in Raw history, and I don't know if it is, but it's it's up there. I think he's uh, greatest non-wrestling segment? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think McFoley's part of the greatest wrestling segment in Raw history. Yeah. I just met, like, skin. So... Mr. Man was in the hospital, nursing wounds suffered at the hands of Undertaker and Kane, when Mankind arrived to attempt to cheer him up. <laughs> so first he brought out a clown that made balloons. Yerple. Yerple the clown. She showed up a few different times. She did. She became, she she became, became almost a, a recurring character. Yeah, she's a working clown. <laughs> and then Mankind pulled out a sock with a face drawn on it, put it on his hand, and introduced the world to Mr. Socko. And the craziest thing is, Mr. Sacco was supposed to be a one-night deal. One and done. Yeah, he just did it. And then it became, like, perhaps the most legendary aspect of the Mankind character. Yes, and uh, Vince sold that wonderfully. Oh, yeah. He Vince... sits back, he goes, oh, Mr. Sacco. And it was just, it was just, it was hilarious. And I remember just telling the story uh, of Mick Foley telling the story that he showed up the next night. And Tim White asked, I think it might have been Tim White. I think, yeah, I think it was Tim White, yeah. Might have been, might have asked him, like, do you have the sock? We need the sock. He goes, what do you mean we need the sock? He goes, there are sock signs out there. And it became, to his part, it became Socko. I mean, luckily for him, it's just, he could take any white sock and just yeah. draw on it, so it's... He probably used the same one, because he's cheap and <laughs> smelly, but... I love that him and Owen Hart had, like, a competition to see if he could spend less money on the road for, like, three months, and, like, Foley would, like... Some nice nightmare at a hotel room and just sleep in the rental car. It's like, yeah. that's crazy, man. Yeah, it's just, that's wild. That's what you can't imagine that nowadays. So, uh, around this time, uh, Mr. Sako began to be a part of his finishing maneuver during the mandible claw first. Well, it thing. also helped that, that he could use it for his finishing maneuver. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess he did get lucky in that regard. The mandible claw is deadly. It is? No, like, it's, it's, it's you, deadly. I don't never want to have it if put you on. Put, if you put pressure on your fucking mandible, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. Uh, so, McFoley pulled a sock out of his pants, which I'm sure was lovely. Oh, he probably smelled so bad in those. And ones. then, uh, and then he would stick the sock in your gullet. And then this became massively popular with fans, like you said. 
And Jerry Lawler always used to put up, put over Mr. Sacco. Jerry Lawler used to put over Mr. Sacco like no one else. He'd be like, that's smelly, that's sweating, that's sweaty, disgusting sock Mr. Sacco. He'd always be so disgusted by Mr. Sacco. <laughs> and it was great. King was good at that time, too. The exact quote was, dirty, smelly, sweaty, repulsive, vile sock. That's what Jerry Lawler used to call it. So Vince began to manipulate mankind, who mankind saw uh, McMahon as a father figure and character. And McMahon created one of the best things ever, the Hardcore Championship, and gave that it to That segment mankind. was fabulous. Great segment. He yeah. goes, I, I got, he goes I, I, got, I got something to ask you. Anything you got, you want it, you got it. He goes, I got something to give you. I love it, because he didn't see it yet, Mick. He goes, that was... It. That was just unbelievable. He was in, he was in the he was in the closet too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was in the closet underneath the, the janitor's closet, and that's when mankind or uh, Vince famously said, "I think I gained a son tonight." Yeah. And McFoley goes, "Thanks, Dad." It was just, it was just some really good shit. His, I think the exact quote was, "I lost a son because like Shane turned on him, and yeah. when I gained one in you." And he's like, "Oh, thanks, Dad." And <laughs> McMahon had like this disgusted look on his face. Yeah, like, no, he he turned away and then he turned back yeah. all disgusted. Yeah. Vince sold it amazingly. Dude, yeah, Vince was Vince is like the fact that he never wants to be an on-screen performer is crazy because he's such a. Good he might one. be the greatest one of all he's time. He's such a good one. He might be the greatest on-screen performer of all time in history wrestling. So then it was time for Deadly Games, of course, the legendary tournament for the WWE Championship. It's a deadly game. As we play, but mankind was pushed as the heavy favorite to win, due to this alliance with uh, VKM, and not the Voodoo Kin Mafia. <laughs> but it was a swerve, bro. Cause you know who was writing at the time. There was always a swerve, bro. Yeah, Vince Russo was a psycho with that. This shit. was a good swerve, though. This it was. was this, this was, was probably swerve. the best one he's ever written. This was probably the one, the best single night of Vince Russo's writing career. Yes. Like the matches sucked. Like. The matches sucked, but the storytelling was great. Yeah, it was. It was. It just saved the pay per view. So Rock put Foley in the sharpshooter, and uh, they rang the bell. Uh, of course, of they, course they did. A recreation of the Montreal screw job, which happened just one year earlier. And uh, yeah, man, that there was the old double turn. Although mankind was getting face reactions, I guess he was technically supposed to be a heel because he's doing yeah, man's corporation dirty work. Yeah. But I mean, so. Uh, Rock turned heel and fully officially turned face. He's already getting babyface reactions. He he got sympathy. Really, he was really good at giving sympathy his entire he career. He was. His facial reactions when that happened, he looked so confused and sad. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he sold that great. And now and then now he got launched into stardom. So he would go on to face the Rock the next month at In Your House Rock Bottom. Missy in your houses. There were they had some crazy. They were games. good. I've actually watched all of them on the network. There, there were some really good matches, spe- specific matches, and really good shows overall. So mankind won the match by shoving uh, the stink-ridden sock down the Rock's gullet, but McMahon ruled that the title would not change hands. Why you ask? Because the Rock did not submit and he was not pinned. He just you know what? Fair enough. Passed out via sock. <laughs> so um, uh, mankind would get a rematch on December twenty ninth which aired on January 4th, and that's the date that the WWF officially recognizes, Mick Foley would win the world title. The single greatest moment in Raw history. Yeah, and uh, that, that'll put butts in seats. fucking reaction when Austin's music hits oh, yeah. is, I still think it's the greatest reaction ever. And then that crowd blew that roof off when Mick Foley got that three count. Oh, yeah, it was... It gives me chills going. It was. Yeah, I just yeah. got them. Like, yeah, it was, it's, it's great. Because he, he deserved it. Man, Michael Cole was 
excellent when this when this was going on. Because you, you just feel the emotion. That's when wrestling's at its best. And he didn't have Vince in his ear because Vince is ringside. So. Yeah. But, you know, this is when wrestling at its best. You just felt with Mick, with Mick Foley. He was going around, running around Foley. Foley had road dog to the proper introduction. It was just fantastic. So we got to talk about the what was going on in the other channel. So Eric Bischoff instructed Tony Schiavone to spoil the change because, of course, this was a tape draw. And, uh... And it lost in the Monday Night War. Tony Schiavone said that mankind who used to wrestle here as Cactus Jack is going to win their world title. That'll put a lot of butts in the seats. You know and what? That line backfired because literally hundreds of thousands of people switched from TNT to was Raw on TNN or was it still on USA at this point? TNN, I believe. It was on TNN. Either way, they switched to whatever channel Raw was on. Yeah. And Raw popped a gigantic rating. Yeah. A huge rating, especially for a tape show. And it was crazy. It was. It was just, uh, he deserved it, too. Now, do you know what happened on the other channel on, on that night? I did at one point. What was on? It the... was the Finger Poke Doom. Was it the Finger Poke Doom? Yes. Wow, that's two things. So on, on one That's channel, two monumental things. On one channel, you had Mick Foley winning the world title. And on, on Nitro, you had Kevin Nash basically laying down for Hollywood Hogan. And the reformation of the New World Order, brother. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, Mankind were going to lose the title less than a month later at the Royal Rumble in a brutal I Quit match, man. Is, I, that, is that when uh, The Rock just beat the fuck out of him with, with a chair? chair yep. Like his family Holy was crying? Yep. The, his family actually had to leave the stands. His daughter was crying so much. Poor Noel. Poor Noel. She ever <sighs> needs a shoulder to cry on, I can offer her one. Hey, Frank the Clown will beat your ass, and he's a Rams fan, too. He will. So. He will. He'll beat my ass. So, uh, yeah, of course this I Quit match was featured on Beyond the Mat. Great documentary if you've never watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're listening to this, you've probably watched Beyond the Mat, but if you haven't, it's fantastic. It is very good. Probably the best wrestling documentary. So, uh... It's better than Wrestling with Shadows. It is better than Wrestling with Shadows. I like Wrestling with Shadows, too. I know you don't because you hate Brett, but... So, the match ended after Foley lost consciousness, and The Rock's allies played a recording of Mankind saying, I quit from Raw. This was voted uh, the 1999 match of the year by the readers of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which is kind of a shock to me. Really? I mean, I'm not too familiar with the the matches of 1999 off the top of my head, but I guess this was the best of them all. It would have been the match of the century if it was in Tokyo, no? Probably would have. Yeah. So... Mankind would win the title back in a rematch on Halftime Heat, of all things. Yeah, that was Halftime of the Super Bowl. Yes. It was Halftime of the Denver Broncos taking on the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 33. Uh, that would be January 31st, 1999. Yes, the Super Bowl actually used to be played in January. Yeah. Which is wild. But uh, that's the one, that's the game where Terrell Davis went nuts, I believe. Yeah, but uh, that was the one where he had like the migraine and he like legit couldn't see and like, yeah. just block. <laughs> and he, he did. What a football guy! Yeah, absolute football guy. But uh, this was I remember kind of watching this. We should note that it was an empty arena match. Yeah, I remember because it was I believe it was on TNN at halftime of the Super Bowl. I think it was on, wasn't it on MTV. I thought it was. I thought it was. It might have been on MTV. It I thought it was halftime heat, and it was like Sunday Night Heat on MTV. Yes, could yes, be it was. It was. No, you're right. You're right. I remember kind of watching this because people I was watching the Super Bowl with you know, my parents' friends. So I was five, I was five, four or five years old, and 
this popped on. And I remember, I remember, I remember it happening. Didn't care at the time, but I remember it happening. But this was Mick Foley took a great bump downstairs in this oh, yeah. match. This match, those two guys were just great together. The finish is wacky as hell, though. Yeah, it was. Just more so the camera angle than the finish. Like, the forklift had the camera on it, so you could see the thing being lowered under rock from, like, a first-person perspective. All kinds of wackiness. But uh, Foley would go on to defend the title in a last-man-standing match at the awesomely named St. Valentine's Day Massacre pay-per-view. It's a big pay-per-view. Yeah, it was Austin McMahon in the cage. Which is a great match. The debut of the big show, Paul White. Yes. Uh... So this match ended in no contest. Mankind retained the title. But the next match, The Rock would regain the title with help from the Big Boss Man in a ladder match. You know, Big Boss Man, those ladder matches, they go, they go hand in hand. If you ever go down to Cobb County, Georgia, you better read all the signs or be prepared to do some hard time. Hard time. Not the Punjabi Boss Man, unfortunately. <laughs> so next we move to WrestleMania 15. Mick Foley would face the Big Show with the winner getting the right to uh, main uh, main event. Oh, she's referee the main event. Mankind would win, but Big Show would take him out. And then uh, I believe Shawn Michaels introduced Earl Hebner as the referee for the main event, and Mankind ended up coming back anyway. And <laughs> Stone Cold won the title. And then he would feud with the Big Show. Uh, he'd defeat him again at Backlash. And then, Jesus, do you remember this? Big Show would team up with Mankind, Test and Shamrock, to form the Union. Yes. Do you remember what that stood for? Uh, oh, you're going to make me look it up because I don't even remember. It, no, it stood for something. Hold on. It stood for something wacky as hell. It was. Shit, what was it? I'm about to Google it. Buy, buy me some time. But that's an interesting group of people, isn't it? It's a very... Andrew Test Martin. Oh, my God. What was it? Union, a.k.a. Up Yours, stood for Union of People You Ought to Respect, Son. Oh. <sighs> oh, God. And Who came up with that? Th- there's a reason it only lasts a month. Yeah, Jesus Christmas. That is... That's got to be the worst faction ever. They formed uh, in response to the corporate ministry, which was a fusion of the corporation and the ministry. And, uh, yeah, I just... There is not enough to say about that. At Over the Edge, 1999, which will be remembered for very different reasons than the union. Yeah. The union would defeat the corporate ministry team, which consisted of the Acolytes, Viscera, and the Big Boss Man. Uh, He tells another great story about that night, if you ever can track down the video. He said he was writing. He was writing a chapter of "Have a Nice Day" when he found out about uh, what happened. That's a. He said because uh, he said he was watching it like on the screen. Yeah. And he said it, he, he thought he thought his TV froze because he kept showing the crowd. Yeah. And he said, "God, oh, it's kind of weird," but he went back to writing it. And then he said, "Pat Patterson, Pat Patterson came in and just a mess." And he said he 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 got out. He got it. And he said he ran faster than he ever ran in his life because he said him and Owen Hart were like best friends. Yeah. And well, like I said they had that competition to see you could spend less money. Like they were, they were really tight. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he said he ran faster down the hallway, and then by then it was too late. Mankind was so pissed off about the screw job that he was ready to just quit the company. Yeah, he, he did. I believe he did. He, did. he, he tried. He, he tried to. Well, it's a good thing he didn't. So uh, after that travesty of the union, he would go on to form a uh, duo with The Rock and one of the most iconic tag team combinations of all time. The Rock and Sock Connection. 
They were three-time WWF Tag Team Champions, which is baffling to me. So that, there's five right there. Or no, there's six. We talked about six of his reign so yeah, far. Yeah, and then he has another one with Al Snow coming later. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so during the time of this team, Foley would do something mind-boggling. He would be a part of the highest-rated segment of, in Raw history. This is your life. It aired on September 27, 1999, and like I don't even believe the rating was achieved in 8.4. I never saw the number, but 8.4? 8.4. That's got to be around 3 or 4 million people. I think a little more than that. You know? Because Raw now does like 2.3 million people, so yeah. like an... Oh my god, an 8.4, that's... That's probably like six or seven. But that, they were they were they, they were happy like the peak of the of the attitude there were fours. Yeah. This segment in an eight point four. Eight point four. Holy shit! That's baffling. That's absurd. I mean, the segment was great. So uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's go back to August of nineteen ninety nine because we skipped over something really important. Uh, Foley took a little time off to have a knee surgery, and then he came back, feuded with Triple H. And uh, they had a number one contenders match to see who would be the number one contender for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Uh, and it would result in a draw, and that would set up a triple threat match at SummerSlam with Jesse the Body as a special guest ref. Hilarious. Was he the governor yet? He, he was, as a matter of fact. He was? Because the pay-per-view was in Minnesota, and he was the governor of Minnesota. So Mick Foley would pin Steve Austin and become a three-time WWF champion. And there's a lot of rumor and innuendo about this title change. The rumor is that uh, Austin didn't want to put over Triple H. Yeah, and then he wanted to give it to Mick and let Mick and let Triple H beat Mick. Well, I think he just didn't want to. Yeah, no, drop. he didn't want. No, no, no. I, I didn't mean that sounded condescending, but that was the rumor. Yeah. But uh, no, he wanted to give it to Mick because then him and him and Mick were close as well. So the next night, Foley dropped the title to Triple H, and they got where they were going anyway. But just kind of a weird deal. He got a one-day title reign out of it. Yeah. So three he, times. Like I think the total. I, I think it's like a, held the title like for a month less and than a month. half. I, maybe, I think it might. Yeah, it's probably around a month. Yeah. Because let's see, he won it and lost it in January. Then he won it back in January. Then he lost it early February, and then he had it for a night in August. So Foley would kind of go on to do just not a whole lot for the rest of the year. But then two thousand came. Specifically January of 2000, when something very important would happen. So Foley was supposed to face Triple H for the WWF title, and Triple H basically said, uh, Foley, you don't have what it takes to beat me. And Foley said, you're right, I don't have what it takes to beat you. Another great segment. But I know someone he who goes, does. He goes, you are in fact the game. I watched your segment last night on YouTube. <laughs> you are in fact the game. And he goes, I found myself a worthy replacement. I think you know him pretty well. And he ripped off the mask and then the shirt. And it was Cactus. So I never realized that, but I guess it is true. Cactus Jack's debut was against Triple H, and now here we are full circle. Yes. So Some good storytelling there. That is. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it's pretty cool. So then they would go on to have the feud that, in my opinion, legitimized Triple H as a top guy. Yeah, he will tell you that as well. They had the awesome street fight at the Royal Rumble 2000. Uh, they include stuff, they include uh, weapons such as barbed wire 2x4, Thumbtacks. Tables. Tables. Just An excellent, excellent pile driver on the table. Triple H won uh, after a pedigree onto a pile of tacks, which is no fun. No, not at all. It's my opinion, the best non-Rumble match in Rumble history. Ooh, that's tough. It's up there, but I gotta go Angle and Benoit from 03. That was a good match as well. But that's definitely up there. That, I think top three is the street fight, 
Angle Benoit, and then Rollins, Lesnar, and Cena from 2015. Oh, that was a great. That was an excellent match. Those are probably the top three. In my that was an excellent. Match. I love that match. That match is awesome. Uh, so anyway, they would go on to have a Hell in a Cell match at No Way Out, where Cactus had to put his career on the line. Another really good match. Uh, so Foley was on top of the cell, trying to pile drive Triple H onto a a barbed wire two by four that was on, on fire. fire. Yeah. But Triple H reversed into a backdrop, which Foley went through the cell and through the ring. And then, of course, Triple H couldn't just pin him. He had to pick him up and hit his move. Yeah. So after a pedigree, it they was actually over. took care of this this time, and the, the ring collapsed Yeah, it was gimmicked. Him, yeah, it was gimmicked. Which was the right move. Absolutely. Don't fucking die. So Foley legitimately planned on uh, retiring and hanging it up. But then he got a call from uh, the McMahons, and they felt bad that Foley never got his WrestleMania main event. So they coaxed him back to come back for WrestleMania 2000 in perhaps one of the worst main events of all time. It's not the worst main event, but a McMahon in every corner. Mick Foley with Linda, Big Show with Shane, Rock with Vince, and Hunter with Steph. And did you know that this was the first time in, at this point, the 16 years of WrestleMania, the first time that WrestleMania ended with a heel victory? Really? Actually, I didn't know that, but it's not surprising. Well, yeah, because you want to have a happy ending at WrestleMania. Like, that's the goal. But this match was. Uncle Hunter got his shovel out and. God awful. Yeah, it was just. I don't know. It felt like it was more about the McMahons than the guys in the match, which is. Yeah, they never did that before. What do you mean? (laughs) Oh, yeah, the McMahons, they'd never make it all about them. That's so unlike them. Yes. But, yeah. So after this, Foley would take some time off, take his kids to Disney World. And uh, he would come back as the commissioner of the WWF, and we're just kind of we're just gonna kind of fly through this time because he was funny as hell during the commission. Oh, he is, but there's not really a lot to talk about. Yeah, it's just he was great. He had the mobile office. Him, Edge, especially Christian. him, Edge and Christian and Kurt. Him, Edge, Christian and Kurt, credulously, with with the chicken suit. Hey, where'd you find my chicken suit? Because Christian <laughs> Christian was trying to cut weight to challenge for the light heavyweight title, <laughs> and he, and Foley told him that. Uh, Kurt used to train in a chicken suit for the Olympics, and it was supposed to be a gag, but then Kurt walked in and said, hey, where'd you find my chicken? Great stuff. Yeah, yeah, they they were great. They were really, really funny together. So uh, he would be fired in December of 2000 when uh, he was beat down by uh, Vince and his goons. Who were Vince's goons at that point? Still still, still Patterson or Briscoe? I think think this is the McMahon-Helmsley era. Okay. So Hunter and... I don't remember if a heel DX was a part of this beatdown. Because I know a heel DX reformed. But that might have been earlier in the year. I think that was. Because it's December 2000. I think Road Dog's already gone by this point. You might be. Either that or you're still teaming with K-Quick. Your favorite, R-Truth. Possibly. That's awesome. So, Foley would come back to referee the Vince Shane Street fight at WrestleMania. And then, throughout that, he would... After that, he would just make sporadic appearances. You know, pop up every once in a while. Uh... He was a commissioner in October 2001 at the end of the invasion angle for a very brief period of time. Then he would uh, pretty much do independent appearances for the next year. Uh, he refereed a match between Dusty Rhodes and Jerry Lawler on December 12, 2003 for the International International Wrestling Cartel. Jesus. YWC. That sounds crazy. Dusty Rhodes versus Jerry Lawler with, uh, with Mick Foley's The Ref. Probably both at the end of their primes, so they, they pulled out. Probably pulled out a good match. He would go to Japan in May 2004 for the Hustle promotion and face Kawada for the Triple Crown Heavyweight Championship. Jesus, which I did not know until this moment. I didn't either. Uh, 
He would go to Ring of Honor in September 2004, cut a promo, and call ROH Ring of Hardcore. Uh, he refereed a match between Jerry Lawler and Slick Wagner Brown. He would uh, confront Ricky Steamboat, who claimed traditional wrestling was greater, was better than hardcore wrestling at Ring of Honor. Uh, he would lead a team of Nigel McGuinness and Chad Coyler to take on Dan Maff and BJ Whitmer. Uh, yeah, and then... He had run-ins with Samoa Joe in ROH, which is really he was interesting. A, he was a big fan of Samoa Joe. He pushed for Samoa Joe coming in like 2006. And uh, CM Punk. Yeah, and he just... He did your basic indie run. Yeah, he's having fun on the indies. But then he would return to WWE in the middle of his indie run in June 2003 to referee the Hell in a Cell match between Triple H and Kevin Nash at Bad Blood. It always seems like when you need a ref for Hell in a Cell, you just call Foley. Yeah, well, well, geez, you need a ref for everything. Because look, they did the McMahon versus McMahon match at 17. So here's where I think Foley's best run starts, which is kind of crazy. No, to yeah, say. no, I could, we could definitely talk about this. June 23rd, 2003, Raw is live from Madison Square Garden, and he's presented the retired hardcore championship. But then later on in the evening, Randy Orton establishes himself as the legend killer and punts Mick Foley down a set of stairs. Yeah, he did that. He definitely did that. So in December 2003, Foley returned to replace Austin as the co-general manager of Raw. But that didn't last very long. Uh, he didn't like the full travel and a full schedule. So he kind of he was written off storyline when uh, Foley was offered a match against Randy Orton for the Intercontinental Championship. And he, he was afraid, and he got, he got spit on, and he walked away. So, uh, yeah, that was basically the end of Foley for until... Uh, the Royal Rumble 2004, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the then Wachovia Center. Yes, it was. Home of the greatest basketball team ever. The Harlem Globeshotters? Fuck off. Uh, so Foley would take out Test backstage and take his spot in the Royal Rumble match. He would eliminate um, Orton with a signature Cactus Jack clothesline over the top rope, taking them both out. Oh, yeah, he did that better the, than anybody. Did his, the bang bang. His, his body would go across, and then his big fat ass would come, out, come, come over after it. Got a, got a lot of cushion, pal. He does. So he would then go on to uh, feud with all of Evolution. We needed some help. So we made a call to Hollywood. And The Rock came back, and they reformed the Rock and Sock connection. The two would go on to do another uh, This Is Your Life. Then at WrestleMania 20, where it all begins again, Foley and Rock would lose to Evolution in a three-on-two handicap match. And a not a very good match. No. Which is sad because it's mania at the garden, and I'm sure yeah. Foley wants to have a fantastic where it all started for him. Match. And I believe, yeah, that was the only mania at the garden that he wrestled at. Yeah. He wasn't there for WrestleMania 10, wasn't there for WrestleMania 1, obviously. Just, which is kind of sad, man. But yeah, this is, he's, he was upset about that as well, about uh, not performing, but he would very he would much more, redeem, he redeem would himself. more than redeem himself the next month at Backlash in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Home of Chris Benoit. Uh, the Rexall Place, I believe, was the arena. Yes, it was. The Rexall Place, the Rexall Place Arena. And now that arena's gone, it is replaced by, I believe, the Rogers Arena. There's so, every arena in Canada is like named after Rogers. It's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, I wonder what he did. I think it's a TV station, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He had an awesome hardcore match with, Mick, with uh, Randy Orton. Now, let's back up just one bit. Sure. He cut the best promo of his goddamn life. He did. 
and coming, leaving up to this. He did. When he's just sitting in the rocking chair with Barbie, and he's talking about how, like, it wasn't the stuff he was seeing with his eyes. It was his eyes that made him go. Yeah. How he was just a killer. They were showing, like, old, like, Cactus Jack clips of him taking the bumps in the concrete, and it was just it was just excellent. And once again, go see it immediately after this podcast. And just like... Mick Foley legitimized Triple H. He legitimized Randy Orton as the future. Randy, Randy Orton will also tell you that. Randy Orton took a fucking beating. He was... When I say Randy Orton got juice, Randy Orton got juice. Well, he took, he took the tax spot. He did. He took the tax spot. And Foley hit an amazing elbow. He did. Off the stage into the... I don't know what the hell you even call that area. Crash pads. That's just, just, crash pad area. Yeah. But the visual you got... I give, I give props to Kevin Dunn here. The visual you got like of him just coming at you through your television and yep. landing an elbow. Such a good match. I it think is I'm incredible. A, I love that. I'm going to watch that later. later. Oh. Wow. Buy me a fucking we Coke, did, pal. We did not plan that. That was just... <laughs> that's just... That's, that's just... Uh, that's national chemistry right there, brother. Uh, so Foley would appear as a commentator on ECW One Night Stand. Then he would pop up next at... A great pay-per-view. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Really good pay-per-view. Then he would pop up next at Taboo Tuesday 2005... <laughs> where he would take on Carlito, and the fans got to choose whether he'd be Mankind, Dude Love, or Cactus Jack, and they made the wrong choice. He was Mankind. Mankind's the greatest. So his next appearance would be February 16, 2006, where he would special guest referee a match of the WWE title between Edge and John Cena. And this set up his next great feud, which may have legitimized Edge. Foley's, done a, <laughs> Foley's doing a lot of legitimizing here. Yeah. Uh, Cena would win the match, and Edge would attack him afterwards. And then that would lead to WrestleMania 22, where we had another great hardcore match. Oh, insane match. I love how uh, Foley wore the, the blue flannel, and everyone's like, oh, this isn't the same Mick Foley. And then Edge went to spear him, and Edge hurt himself on the spear, and everyone's like, what the hell's going on? Foley took out the flannel, revealed he had barbed wire wrapped around himself, and then he had like the traditional red flannel underneath. Awesome. Yeah, it was. It was good great shit. stuff. Real good shit. Then, of course, the spot everyone will remember from this match is Foley taking the spear through the, the flaming table. Uh, just another great match, man. I it was. Like, you, you can't explain. He made hardcore matches be like art. Yeah, that they, was they that just, was his That was his best the best quality about making They weren't just unprotected hair shots to the head. He no, told like, stories. Yeah, and that's what he's known for. He could take a beating by anybody else, too. So, after this feud with Edge, he uh, said that he respects Edge, and he turned heel and allied himself with Edge. And then we got ECW One Night Stand 2, where uh, Mick Foley would team up with Edge to take to and Lita to take on Terry Funk, Tommy Dreamer, and Buell McGillicuddy. Oh, a. Jesus. That's awesome. You know, did you ever see this match? I think I ever saw One Night Stand 2. Holy shit. You gotta... Bro, Foley cut probably one of the best promos of his life. I'll so have to watch it. He's cutting an anti-ECW promo, right? And he says, there was a time I respected ECW. There was a time I respected ECW when it was run by a great leader, Stephanie McMahon. Long live, <laughs> long live the Alliance. And dude, when I tell you the Hammerstein Ballroom shit on this. Oh, man, I can't even imagine. Oh, and Terry Funk almost loses an eye in this match. You got to go watch it. It's so good. Like, Terry Funk almost I feel like Terry Funk almost loses an eye in every match he wrestles. It was, oh, man, bloody match. I'll have to watch it. Bloody. bloody. I think Beulah gets juice, too, because Beulah was like the king of getting, queen of getting juice. I don't think she gets juice, but she eats a spear from Edge. She gets she eats a spear for the pin from Edge. Does she? Yeah, and like Edge punt. I've not watched it. If not, I've, if I've watched it, I haven't seen it a lot. Edge of time. pins are like he's humping her. Speaking it's... of Edge, I get it. I we get another episode tonight of the NC. 
show. We do, which is fantastic. Which is awesome. Great I, show. I've watched the Mooney segment five times. It's a, it's, it's a great show. So Foley would then get into a rivalry with Ric Flair where they built off real-life animosity when Foley wrote in his book that Flair was every bit as bad on the booking side of things as he was great on the wrestling side of it. And then Flair took a dig back in his autobiography, calling Foley nothing more than a glorified stuntman, and said that he was only be able to climb the ladder of success in the WWF because he was friends with the bookers. So the two got into a confrontation at Raw in 2003 backstage, like real life, off air. But uh, Who do you take in that fight? See, Flair's a crazy son of a bitch. Like, I feel like Foley would, like, calm down, Rick. Calm, I feel like Foley would try to, like, defuse the situation. Yeah, but, but he can. Oh, yeah, no, Foley know. could hold his own. I'm, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like Flair would be a crazy son of a bitch to, like... I didn't know about this real-life altercation. Oh, yeah. Obviously, since then, the two have reconciled and are friends now. But uh, As wrestling seems to bring out. But a lot of the real-life animosity showed up in this feud where Flair called Foley glorified stuntman multiple times on TV, and Foley responded by calling Flair a washed-up piece of crap. They, two would have their first match at Vengeance 2006 in a two-out-of-three falls match when Flair beat Foley in two straight falls. And then they wrestled an, an I-quit match at SummerSlam. When Fla- Flair won when uh, Molina threw in the towel after Flair threatened Molina with a barbed wire bat. <laughs> oh man! It was a really bloody match. That was well, just you know Ric Flair's around a hardcore match is just gonna be red. Yeah. So then the next match, well, I mean Flair bleeds waking up in the morning, so yeah. you can only imagine an I quit match involving barbed wire. You see, he's back on the wagon. I did. It sucks. I mean, it's Ric Flair. I hate to see I saw it coming, but yeah, I saw it coming. So in the August twenty first episode of Raw, Foley kissed Vince McMahon's ass. Uh after he threatened to fire Molina. Shortly after, it was a swerve, and Molina turned on Foley and announced that he was fired. So then Foley uh, would go on to make sporadic appearances again. He somehow weaseled himself into a championship match at Vengeance 2007. Do you have any memory of this? No, do you? Yes. Who was it with? uh, I'm going to tell you who it was with. It was a six-pack challenge. Oh, no. John Cena versus Mick Foley versus Randy Orton versus King Booker versus Bobby Lashley. Four Hall of Famers <laughs> and King Booker. Oh. <laughs> well, Booker's already Yeah, in no, King Four, that's, that's, Jesus, that's a star-studded match. Yeah. So Cena retained, fully took the pin. A month later, uh, he was a special guest referee in a match between Jonathan Coachman and Hornswoggle. Jesus fucking Christ. Then Foley would team up with Hornswoggle in the January 7, 2008 episode of Raw when he would... Uh, Defeat the Highlanders, and they both qualify for the Royal Rumble. <laughs> God damn. What were their names? Rory and... Robbie. Rory and Robbie. I'm Rory, and I'm Robbie. They were hilarious. So then Mick Foley would debut as a color commentator, replacing the coach, after the coach left for uh, ESPN, ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. And Foley said that she wasn't really good at the commentary thing, and it didn't really fit him. He didn't like Vince in his ear. He didn't like Vince in his ear, which I'm sure is... Terrifying. He was written off TV in the August 1st episode of SmackDown when he was attacked by Edge. Uh, Taz replaced him, and then Foley let his contract expire on September 1st, and we are now at the elephant in the room. We have to talk about it. Do we? We do. Bring it on. Mick Foley would sign with TNA on September 3rd, 2008, just two days after his WWE contract expired. Uh... 
He made his debut at a house show, giving a short speech about how he loved the product, where he also shit on WWE, which one tends to do when they go to TNA at that time, not yeah. anymore. At that time, uh, Foley made his television debut on the September 18th episode of Impact, where he was announced as like the executive shareholder, I believe was the exact terminology. Yes. He buried the WWE roster. He buried Vince McMahon for letting Kurt Angle walk. And then at Bound for Glory 4 in 2008, he was a special guest enforcer for Jarrett and Angle's match. Uh, Foley was named the co-owner of TNA on October 23rd. Then he does a whole lot of nothing until early 2009. Uh, when out of nowhere, he became the number one contender for the TNA Heavyweight Championship. And in Philadelphia, at lockdown, he defeated Sting to become the TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Dear God. The Accor Center, correct? Yes, Temple. And fun fact, this is the only TNA pay-per-view I ever ordered. I was with a bunch of friends, and they wanted to watch it, and we ordered it. Who were you with that wanted to watch that? I think I was with Rob Dudek and his family, as a matter of fact. I think it was like his uncle or something. That's awesome. So, yeah, so we ordered the TNA show, which I have no memory of what happened on that show. I just remember we bought it and fully won. So Mick... uh, did not lose the title, even though he lost a triple threat at Sacrifice, because TNA had a convoluted stipulation where everyone put something on the line, and who and whoever got pinned lost what they put on the line. That's the most TNA thing I've ever heard in my life. So Sting pinned Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle lost leadership of the main event mafia. <laughs> the main event mafia. Wait, can I name the main event mafia? Yeah. Was it... It was Angle? Yep. Hogan? No. No. This is pre-Hogan. This is pre-Hogan? Pre-Hogan. Angle? Nash? Yes. Sting? Yes. Booker T? Yes. There's one more. Steiner? Yep. Yeah. You got it. The main event mafia was entertaining. I don't care what anyone says. I like That's the main the, event mafia. The main event mafia in-ring segment when, when Samoa, or Steiner called Samoa Joe fat. Yeah. Dude, He's fat! <laughs> and and the night Scott Steiner, and then the night they took over Impact and Scott Steiner was the ring announcer all night. It was great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one my go-to. From the great state of obesity... Hailing from Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, great stuff. So Kurt Angle would lose the TNA Heavyweight title at, the, in a, at Slammiversary in a King of the Mountain match, which was another convoluted stipulation. Do you know what King of the Mountain is? Yes. The uh, reverse ladder match? Let's not talk about it. Uh, at Victory Road, he lost to Kurt Angle in a rematch. Uh... In the build-up, he claimed he'd only submit it once in his career, and it was the Terry Funk from a spinning toehold. Jesus Christ. And he vowed he'd never submit again. And, of course, he did submit again. But he wasn't done winning gold in TNA. On July 30th, 2009, he won the TNA Legends Championship by pitting Kevin Nash in a tag team match when it was Nash and Kurt Angle against Mick Foley and Bobby Lashley. Uh, Nash would win the title back at Hard Justice Less than a month later. Story of his life. So Foley turned heel again when he started a feud with Abyss. And he had he had lost to Foley. He lost to Abyss in a Monsters Ball match. It bound for glory. Uh, I like I would like to get peak Joe Park versus peak Cactus Jack. But it would never happen. So he just kind of hangs around TNA for a little bit. Uh, when they do the ECW reunion, he's a part of that. Uh... Eventually, there's a point where Foley is trying to get out of TNA, and they won't they won't let him go. Finally, on June 5th, 2011, they let him go. And he comes back to WWE. 
Uh, and he's kind of been there since, making sporadic uh, appearances, doing one-offs. Special guest referees. Special guest referee spots. Uh, great. He, he, he did a great segment one time. He was talking about... Uh, Selling things for Christmas on WWE.com. Yeah, and he did he did the three faces. Yeah, there, there's a good segment. He appeared on Raw 1000 as Dude Love. You know who he teamed right with? Choice. He was with Brodus Clay. He didn't yeah. team with him. Or no, you know, you're right. You know, you know how he it was. Uh, Jack Swagger. Face Jack Swagger. Was face Brodus Clay versus Jack Swagger. It was Dude Love. I'm sure he had love that match. Yeah, he, you never you never want a match where Brodus Clay is the better worker. So kind of wrapping up the the recap of his career before we get into the legacy, his career went full circle when. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame the night before WrestleMania 29 at Madison Square Garden. Good story. And Jesus Christ, I forgot about this. He became the general manager of Saturday Morning Slam. I forgot about that too. Jesus. I love that show. That show was awesome. Dude, did you ever see did you ever see Daniel Bryan versus Tyson Kidd from that show? No. Look it up. Is that a network? No, they, I wish it was. But I'm sure you can YouTube it. Daniel Bryan rolls himself into a ball so Tyson Kidd can't pin him. It's awesome. That's awesome. And do you ever watch the JBL and Cole show? Yeah. You know, like the Dazzler? Daniel yeah. Bryan was the Dazzler on Saturday Morning Slam. Saturday Morning Slam was awesome. It's supposed to be for like five-year-olds, but it was amazing. It was great. The Dazzler. So yeah, that kind of wraps up uh, Mick Foley's career. We should mention that in 2016 he was named the Raw General Manager. That is a complete surprise, too, if I remember that correctly. Well, it was supposed to be, but they accidentally uh, dropped the T-shirts like a week before it happened for him oh, and so Daniel Bryan. Figured it out. But he was fired as the Raw General Manager before WrestleMania in 2017, and then... Came back, cut an amazing promo before Hell in a Cell 2018. And then he was a special guest referee for the Roman Reigns-Braun Strowman match. <laughs> and Paul even pepper sprayed him. He did. I forgot about that, but now I don't. It's funny. And uh, we should mention that Foley has written three bestsellers in his career. Uh, three number one bestsellers, yes, too, right? Yes. I've read Have a Nice Day. And he's also wrote four children's books, Mick Foley's Halloween Hijinks, Mick Foley's Christmas uh, Chaos, Tales from a Rascal Lane, and A Most Miserable Christmas, which started the Miz as the heel in this children's he was, book. He was an elf, wasn't he? I believe so, yes. <laughs> So, I guess let's talk about McFoley's legacy. He's going to have two legacies. Yes. One for non-wrestling fans. He'll always be that crazy guy that went out to sell. Yeah. For wrestling fans, he's one of the most gifted storytelling in-ring psychology wrestlers in history. I agree. One of the best promos to ever live. Like, his promos hit were hit and miss, but the ones that hit really, really hit. So, when I think about his legacy... And I don't mean this to be a dig at all, so don't take it that way. But I think Mick Foley is the best supporting cast player of all time. No, that's that's actually that's, I mean Brooklyn Brawler, but uh. Well, Mick Foley's a main event supporting yeah. cast character. No, no, I completely I can see that. Uh, he brought star power. He everybody loved him. He, he got made so many guys. He made he so did, many and guys. he put he put together a career on doing that. Yeah. But he could have easily, if you needed him to step into the main event. Okay, make this. We need you for a two-month title run. He could do that as well. Right. To 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 take to steal a little bit of a terminology from the fantasy football world. He was the ultimate flex player. Yes, like he was. I think that's a good way to put it. He's, that's, he's, he can do absolutely everything. He he's an absolutely stunning promo, and 
there's a reason it's regarded as one of the best ever. What do you think he will be most remembered for? It has to be that hell in the cell. It's the cell. It's the cell. It's the cell for Scotty because it was just a stunning moment. Yeah. That never happened before. So, uh, yeah, that's that's Mick Foley, man. Mick Foley has an amazing career. Watch all of his stuff. I just strongly suggest the Mind Games match if you've never seen it. Yeah. Really, really strongly suggest the street fight with Triple H. Yeah, his 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 feud with Triple H in two thousand, the Orton match is must see. That might be my favorite match he's ever done is the Orton match. Yeah. And some of his really early promos in WCW, I suggest watching. Um, there's a there's a great collection on the network. It's the Three Faces of Foley. Yeah, I was watching it, doing a little bit of research, and they actually have the Kane Dewey promo on there, so you can check that out. Oh, do they? Yeah, they do. And he got pissed. Yeah, it's a great little promo. Mick Foley will go down as not only one of the most decorated WWE superstars of all time, but just one of the, the most respected people in the yeah, business. Yeah, he's, he's nothing, I've heard nothing bad about him. Yeah, and uh, he plays Santa Claus. The he's stuff just, that man's put his body through for our entertainment is... Commands respect. Absolutely. So yeah, man, we hope you enjoyed our three-part retrospect on the career of uh, Mick Foley. And we will be right back. Hey, thanks for listening to the show today, guys. Uh, remember, we are part of the Turnbuckle Topics Wrestling Network at TT underscore for you on Twitter, featuring Ron and Liz in the rundown and Mr. Impact Chris Pinero at Old School Pants on Twitter, the number one impact guy on the internet. So thank you for listening, and we will see you guys next week with our reactions of TLC. Peace out.